This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. So, Manchester United fans, this one's for you. I have Tom McDermott, the man, the one and only, FA writer, Manchester United fan. We're going to break down what the heck is going on with Sancho. We're going to break down what the heck is going on with the rest of the transfer market for United and what does it look like over the next two, three weeks. So, let's do this. Feels like a um, run the on kind of getting ready for a mini World Cup or just at the start of a World Cup with the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, Europa League's obviously just got going, and the Champions League's not going to be far behind it. So yeah, I'm looking looking forward to this kind of strange at this stage of the year, and sort of be getting ready for the Euros. So that's been put back 12 months, but um, all good, I think, all good. And um, from a Manchester United point of view, a pleasing end to the domestic season, anyway. So let's, you know, obviously I've, I've, we've spoken about Spurs a lot, but there's so much going on with Manchester United now that you have me intrigued. And we've had, I would say, maybe two, three conversations off air, basically, about a lot of things that are happening. But let's take it in, in, in order, if you may. Okay. The end of the season. Give me kind of like a one-minute verdict from your point of view on how the season ended for United. I didn't realise in December and February quite how bad and how far Manchester United were behind the Champions League place. I mean, not even Champions League place, Leicester. Um, I think the the points total, I think we were nearly sort of 20 points behind Leicester in December. So to actually finish third and qualify for the Champions League, looking at it like that, was, was was very impressive indeed but I think that if you'd have looked, asked me before Christmas if Solskjaer would have lasted to the season I said yeah he probably lasted the season and then Pochettino may have come in but all of a sudden Pochettino rarely gets a mention Bruno Fernandes came in in January United went on a, a, a ridiculous run which Solskjaer's kind of orchestrated before and, and deservedly United got into the Champions League beating Leicester on the final day and I think with City and Liverpool in obviously Liverpool 1 and City 2 third is about as good as United could have probably hoped for at the beginning of the season anyway so a very good end to the season the question now is can they improve on third because I think the points total they ended up with would have dropped them to around sixth place last season so, so, there's, uh, so I, I'm moving in the right direction I, I was just they're moving in the right direction but I'm going to ask you are you really going to look back at the season and say that we you know Manchester United finished third or is the first thought that's going to pop in your head Manchester United made the Champions League top four. Um, maybe my sort of expectation since Sir Alex has left, certainly since Mourinho's second season where he, he performed what he said his greatest managerial achievement and took United to second, I thought then we were on the brink of maybe pushing City if we had a more successful transfer window. But Manchester United should never accept third in Champions League. However, since Sir Alex Ferguson's retired... We've been in the Champions League, what, two, three times maximum? 
this being the third, I think, time. So United sort of level of where they are, and you only have to look at the points difference between Manchester United and, Ch- and uh, City and Liverpool to see how far they are behind. So whilst they have got Klopp and Pep Guardiola, and once whilst their recruitment overall has been a lot better, at the moment, it's the best Manchester United can hope for, I think. However, part one has been concluded with Champions League football. Part two now is to narrow that gap, have a successful window, and then try and put some pressure on Manchester City and Liverpool. Maybe not next season, but certainly the season after. So you narrowed the gap, I would say, in my opinion, by bringing on Fernandez, And I think that was not only the signing of the season, I think that's the signing of the last few seasons, if you ask me. Continuing the trend of trying to narrow the gap, we're going to segue into the transfer market. What the heck, man? First of all, (laughs) it's very weird because the people people that I talked to two weeks ago are saying, this is almost a done deal. Sancho wants to come to United. Um, United know what the price tag is going to be for Sancho anyway, uh, and they seem to be okay with it. Fast forward two weeks from there, and there's doubt even that this deal is going to be made. Although I really do think that both teams at this point are very far deep into the relationship that this is going to be a clean and easy breakup. I think they both want a deal, but Dortmund has a price, has a way they want to do the business, and they're not afraid to call Manchester United's bluff. That's what I'm hearing. What the heck are you hearing? Well, first of all, before we get on to that, you mentioned transfers and City and Liverpool. And just to why transfers are important, you saw yesterday evening or Thursday, uh, sorry, Wednesday evening for the listeners where Manchester United played last in the second leg of the Europa League game, just how reliant Manchester United are on their first 11. And what we saw last night was a supporting cast and several, maybe even eight or nine of them are just not good enough. Whereas if you look at Liverpool, when they won the Champions League, they had Origi to come on and score a goal. I think Origi as well scored in the semi-final against Barcelona as well. So that just is an example of the kind of strength in depth and quality they've got. Is Origi a first-choice starter for Liverpool or a Man City or even a Manchester United? Probably not. But Manchester United need that kind of level of person to come off the bench. That's why this transfer window is so important. Getting on to the transfer window, I spoke to somebody who um, works at you know, works United, very senior figure at United earlier on this week, and he told me that United felt like they had to release two nights ago that the deal wasn't wasn't quite done because they felt that the reports coming from Germany they were over egging it the deal was not as close as what people were saying the actual figure that Dortmund want isn't to United's liking the payment structure beneath that as well so whether it's 40 50 60 million euros up front from this summer and then more next summer and then more the summer after they're not happy with how that's structured either and Jaden Sancho and I think one of the well-known sort of t- Twitter journalists uh, has come out and said that, that Sancho has agreed wages with Manchester United I've been told that he hasn't agreed wages with all he, he, he understands what he could get at Manchester United and that will probably won't be a problem but by the same token Manchester United have a, have, have a wage structure that they don't want to absolutely smash for somebody who's so young as well so he'll get a very good wage at Manchester United if he joins um, but it's not going to be quite the absolutely ridiculous figures that I, I've heard and have been banded about going back to the fee so United released two nights ago um, and they felt they had to I think because of what was coming out of Germany and, and, and certain journalists because they were p- p- 
sort of announcing that the deal was done as what, what you said Dortmund and United were closing in on a deal there was talk of tomorrow being the 7th so let's announce him on the 7th he's going to wear the number 7 shirt all this was absolute nonsense United are, are not quite near enough in terms of their valuation of the player and certainly even if they do have a valuation of the player that Dortmund agree on they're still going to um, argue about how they pay it and how often they because I do believe as well I, I, I'm not sure if it's both players but certainly one of Maguire and Fernandez hasn't been paid yet they're still concluding those deals in instalments as well so that's how these transfers work Manchester United it's, it sounds like two naughty words but it's a football business and Edward Wood runs that and supporters you know sadly should be used to it now we've seen other deals drag on we've seen other deals like they're going to go through and then fall at the final hurdle but as it stands United's valuation of the player is separate or sorry different to Dortmund's the actual paying structure of how they would do it is, is, is not to Dortmund's liking either so you know we're not even going to get there until they agree on what the fee is once you've agreed the fee you can then break it down and decide so there's still a lot of work to do and again wages People are saying wages have been agreed. Well, whether United have agreed a wage with them and, and, and don't want to admit it because it looks like they've been tapping the player up, you know, that's open to debate. I'm sure Jaden Sancho knows through third parties what kind of figure he would get, what kind of bonus structure he would get. But for him to sit there and say that he's an agreed wage with Manchester United, I, I don't think that's quite right at the moment. So is, is Sancho worth all this headache, in your opinion? Trouble for United is now is that it's a known fact that they want Sancho and that the player wants to come. Now, you look at Manchester City this week, Nathan Ake, deal for Torres, they're apparently moving on to other targets quite quickly. They see a player, they identify and they get the deals done pretty quickly. Manchester United, and going back to that gap you mentioned between them and Manchester City and Liverpool, need to close that gap. And for them to be seen dilly-dallying to a certain extent, I do understand why they, they, you know, you look at Arsenal making 55 redundancies and and making cuts at the club. So, you know, the, the, the pandemic hasn't, you know, football clubs aren't immune to that. But by the same token, Manchester United, I don't think, could be seen to be walking away from this deal now, which is why I think you'll probably go through in the end because... Of they need the player. He's British. He fits in with the profile of the club. He's, a, he's, he's young. He can wear the number seven shirts. Be vacated by Alexis Sanchez. He'd fit in well with kind of a, a British front three. If Martial wasn't there with Greenwood and Rashford, it would work brilliantly in front of Pogba and Bruno. So there's there's a, a whole kinds of developments in it. And actually, if you're breaking 120 million or 100 million pounds down over 10 years or eight years, it's not actually that much per season. So. You know, there you go. And then you look at players that could potentially leave for a fee this summer. You know, it could even itself out over the time. I wouldn't expect Solskjaer's net spend this summer to be much more over £60 million, if that really. Um, you think that he bought Harry Maguire and Wan-Bissaka last year, but he did sell Romelu Lukaku for £75 million or something between 65 and £75 million. So there's some work to be done. Sancho, is he worth it? I, I'm not so sure the potential's there. He's done it in a, a top league. We're not talking about a player who's coming out of a, of a minor league. No disrespect. He's doing it in a top league. He's assists and goals there. He knows the country. He wouldn't need any settling in period. And I think that with the Euros next summer, he's looking to really cement himself in that sort of forward right position. And guess what? Man United have got a vacancy in the forward right position. So you mentioned possibly to, to try to help make this number a little bit more palatable that there may be uh, some departures 
Who do you mm-hmm. see going? It's interesting. I've got you know an article coming out tomorrow in the UK about this. Um, the trouble United have got, and you know it as a business owner, is that we pay Phil Jones more than he would get if he went somewhere else. We pay Jesse Lingard more now than what he'd get if he went somewhere else. We've seen with Alexis Sanchez, he's gone on a free. He's gone, but he probably won't be getting what he's getting at Manchester United. The trouble is, with people like Marcus Rojo, Phil Jones, Lingard, maybe even Andreas Pereira, they're not going to get the same wages they're on at Manchester United, at Leicester or at Everton, no disrespect. Because those clubs can't afford it, and they'll probably look at them. You mean, you look at Lingard, for example, his statistics over the last two years. I know he scored last night and he scored against Leicester, but his statistics over the last couple of years or 18 months have been horrific. But if you want names who probably should be in that departure lounge, you look at Dallow, the right-back, who has been linked with Tottenham, actually. You look at Lingard, you look at Phil Jones, you look at Rojo, you look at Andres Pereira, um, and, and it's players like that, really, that you need to, to move on. Perhaps there might be a surprise, maybe somebody like Eric Bailly, who has been sort of unreliable with injury. Maybe they look to move him on if they're bringing Smalling back in. But I think there's at least four or five players, most of which I've mentioned there, that you could look to, to move on and command reasonable fees. Is, is it time to look for a new keeper? <sighs> it's, such a tr- it's such a tough question to answer because you have to look at Romero, look at De Gea, and then look at Henderson, who is out on loan at Sheffield United, and say, right, which one of those three is going to make the fewest mistakes? Because they're all got mistakes in them. There was times last night that Romero didn't look particularly comfortable. We don't know what Romero is like over a 38-game Premier League season. So there's question marks over him. There's question marks over De Gea since the World Cup when Ronaldo's got a hat-trick at uh, Spain-Portugal. I think he did. Um, so there's, he's not been the same since that game, really. And Dean Henderson, as good as he's been at Sheffield United, has made a lot of mistakes. And although he's a United boy, to go from Sheffield United number one to Manchester United number number one, is a big jump up because you were just watched every sort of millisecond of what you're doing and how you're behaving. So I personally think if you got rid of De Gea or dropped De Gea or, or Romero, could you put Dean Henderson behind a shaky Lindelof Maguire partnership? I don't think you could. I think you, it could damage him even further. So for me, he's probably going to stick with David De Gea for at least one more season and then re- reevaluate it. I think it's a bigger... A slightly bigger risk putting Henderson in than De Gea at the moment. Hopefully, Henderson, sorry, De Gea can find his finest form, his better form. But at the moment, you just want a keeper who's reliable at the bat in that, you know, behind your defence. And, and unfortunately, United are struggling to find that. But fingers crossed, De Gea can get somewhere near his his best form. But for me, it's a massive worry because he's he's been on the sort of the down, the dip, if you like, for, for about 18 months, two years. So I, I take it as uh, uh, what's happening right now with the con- the condensing of the amount of matches, especially if you're playing European football, I, I see that as an issue. Has this been popping up on anybody's radar, considering the fact that the season is starting next month, but you still have to play competitive matches realistically over the next two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, it's a good question because I think obviously United put a, a very weakened team out against last. They were five nil up from the the first leg, which was away. So they had five away goals and hadn't conceded. So they, the job was done. So it was always interesting to see what Solskjaer picked there. The next game for Manchester United, I'm speaking as a Manchester United supporter, is against uh, Copenhagen, I believe. Um, again, t- 
tougher game than last, but you'd expect United to win. So you then got a semi and a final before you you go into the maybe a friendly or, or the or, and, the, and the league season. So it's, it can go two ways. If Manchester United play all the way through and win the Europa League, then what better momentum that is to, to, to springboard into the new season than, than having a trophy under your belt. I always remember when Sir Alex was under a bit of pressure and we played in the, uh, the League Cup final at Cardiff against Wigan, I think, and Ronaldo and Rooney hadn't won anything. And we beat Wigan that year and it felt like the start of something. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the start of something if United win the Europa League because I still think Inter Milan are, are the favourites to win that trophy, by the way. But if Manchester United can win something like the Europa League, and Solskjaer does that, then all of a sudden the players look around and Harry Maguire's won a trophy. He's never won anything. Wamba Saka's young, he's won something. Williams, Luke Shaw, all these boys, I know Luke Shaw's won trophies at United before, but generally, generally a big European trophy like that would, would do them no harm whatsoever. So, yeah, I've heard a bit of moaning and from, from managers saying, you, you know, we need a longer break, but... I think it's the same for everybody, isn't it? It's not like United are going to get three weeks off and Spurs are going to get seven weeks off. It's going to be the same for absolutely everybody. And this is where your performance specialists come in and the management of the players' bodies and how they can cope with the wear and tear of things. It's going to have to completely change because you're going to come straight back out of it and into into a competitive a competitive league season with cups and, and European football. So, yes, it's, it's, it's not ideal, but it's not been an ideal year, ideal year. But it's not one person or one team that's penalised it's, it's everybody so you, you just got to kind of get on with it I think From a transfer perspective and preparing for the next season what rumours have you heard about United or a player coming to United that are rumours but my god would be so nice <laughs> if, if you write Manchester United transfer into the Twitter bar or Google you'll, you'll, you'll be there all night it's ridiculous <laughs> they are the guy the other day when I spoke to him he was like I can't I'm answering calls all the time about players. Uh, he's, honestly, I feel like he should be doing a, a Boris Johnson-type daily briefing to the world because it's, it's honestly, it's, it's how he feels. He's constant. Um, you've got to be realistic. You know, you're not going to get Messi, Ronaldo. You're not going to get Lewandowski. You're not going to get these type of players. Um, of course you're not. But I think that if we're going along the profile... Uh, I mean, listen, if Paul Pogba stays, do Manchester United... Are they that desperate for midfielders? Because yes, they need more in there, but actually Pogba, Fernandez, and Matic behind is not a bad three. I think everyone would agree. Then you've got Fred and McTominay to support that. Although they didn't play very well last night, so then do you look at think perhaps Jack Grealish? Could you bring could you bring somebody like Jack Grealish in? But the fee for for for, for Bruno was was sort of between forty and I think if he does really well, it goes up to like into the 50s and that's if he wins the Ballon d'Or so that's the maximum you'd be paying for Bruno well Aston Villa are wanting 70 believe it or not for a Grealish straight away is, so you've is, got that, a another, like, is that another like Jaden uh, uh, deal where he's British uh, we need him so Harry he's Maguire, overpriced million. yeah Harry Maguire how much is Iberg going to Spurs for 15 yeah no I'm just saying you know you've got a season you know got a guy that knows the league so you know Harry Maguire 80 million pounds this was, so, this was a number that you and I could not understand. No, last it, mate, it's just it's just it's just something else. So you've got this sort of weird perception and belief that English players are better, and you know Jack Grealish hasn't played for England. You know, so it's a lot of money for English players. It's a lot of money. So I mean, for me, you ask me honestly, I look at Thiago. Bayern Munich and I think 25 million yes he's 29 he's world class he can play in midfield 
25 million for him. Especially if he gives you a good two, three seasons? My word. And if you look after him, he'll do a job for you for two or three seasons as well. Yeah. So for me, realistically, I'd be knocking on their door and I'd be saying, look, I know you want to go to Liverpool, I know Klopp's there, I know they're the European champions. But actually, we're building something here and you could be focal to it and we're going to put you in there next to Pogba or rotate you with Pogba or Bruno or whatever and he would just be fantastic. So somebody like that, you know, a bit not outside the box because everybody knows him, but instead of paying a ridiculous fee for, for Grealish, why not go for a look, look at Thiago or something like that? I think at the back, I think the defence is an issue, isn't it? You know, they're never going to spend £80 million on Koulibaly, so why not go for Ake? I know he's gone to Man City, but for £40 million, you could have had him. That's and what it, I, See, you look at that, right, and, and no offence to Maguire. I'd rather have Ake over Maguire on my, on my squad without even thinking. Half the price. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's the sensible, sensible option, isn't it? That's the sensible way of doing it. And, and you're right, that, that is what should... That is what United you know, probably should have done if they're not going to have the money or not prepared to pay top money for a world-class Virgil van Dijk you know, defender and, and Koulibaly is the one that always gets mentioned in that kind of bracket. Then you've got a guy who plays left centre-half for uh, Bournemouth who have gone down. Solskjaer, we all heard by the BT audio, spoke to him on the pitch and said, we need a left centre-half. Go and sign him. Go and sign him. But then obviously the added thing to that is that they've called Chris Smalling back from loan which, you know, Smalling is quicker than Maguire and Lindelof, and he's probably better in the air than Lindelof. So he'd be better than, quicker than Maguire and Lindelof, and he's better in the air than Lindelof as well. So, you know, you've got a slight improvement there probably, but again, it just seems it's Manchester United, are they cutting corners, you know, you're going back to a player who 12 months ago was deemed not good enough, he's had a good time in Syria, there's no getting away from that, he's been very good, but... You know, what do you do now with Axel 2 and Xavi? Does he put his nose out of joint a bit because he's got another obstacle in front of him? All kinds of things, really. But for me, realistically, you know, you, if United ended, ended the, 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 the window with uh, Jadon Sancho, Grealish and Nathan Ake, I'd probably say, you know what, it's a good window. Well, Nathan Ake is gone. Grealish, he's probably going to be offered an extension to his contract and a nice pay rise for Villa. <laughs> Um, so they're not going to be, now that they're staying up, they have no incentive to sell them unless you give them a, an offer that you can't refuse. Um, with that kind of money, I'm guessing you're either going to get a Grealish or a Sancho. You're probably not going to get both. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I just, ideal world situation really would be would be them. But, you know, you could look at how they're quibbling over how they would potentially pay for Jane Sancho and you think, are they really going to go and then pay sort of 50, 60, 70 million for Grealish? You wouldn't have thought so, would you? Wouldn't unless there's a big unless there's a big outgoing, you know, unless Pogba's going. Well, because then that funds. But realistically, I don't think Pogba leaves at this point, considering the fact that the chemistry that he has with Fernandez is something else at this moment. And also, you know, because of the coronavirus, you look at Real Madrid, they're not going to spend big. I think they're spending half a billion pounds on the Bernabeu. So he's not going there. Can Juventus really afford to bring him back? I'm not so sure. PSG, you know, he's from France. Does he slot in over there? I'm struggling to think of a team that can probably, 12 months ago, or even Christmas, January window, I said, yeah, he's going to go in the summer. We hardly saw him, but such is the current climate in the world, I'm not sure Pogba will go. But then if he does, that's when you know you almost certainly see somebody like Grealish coming because you can't lose a player like Pogba. And I'm not saying Grealish is as good. But you need to replace him. Sancho gets over the line. 
What do you think? Yeah, I think he will do. I think they've got to do it, really. I think they know they've, they've kind of got this far. I think with... I won't even say there were leaks the other night. It was just they just came out and just they just said to me they said we needed to respond to what was coming out from Germany. You know, Fabrizio, um, is it Romano, the Italian journalist as well? Or he was saying things that I'm not sure they were completely comfortable with as well. And he's normally right on the, on the money, and it just seems to have backtracked slightly because and not close to completing the deal. And you know, he was doing here we go soon, yellow to red, and all this lot, which you know he's great, but. Hang on a second, that was three days ago. If they signed the player, then he'd be on a, you'd, you'd, you'd see him landing in Manchester and driving up to Carrington, and we're nowhere near that stage at the moment. So, yeah, I think we'll probably do it this month. I'm not sure the 10th of August deadline that Dortmund's... <laughs> Look, if United agree to pay what they want on the 12th of August or the 13th of August or a day or two later than the deadline they're given, do you think they're going to say no? Probably not. But if you push me on it, I'll probably say, yeah, United will do the deal. I think the player's probably got his heart set on it, even though he won't kick up a fuss. But I think United will, will get the deal over the line.